If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's surreal. But then, you know, what's so weird about that, Ryan. It's like, I had this moment. It was so incredible. And then I had to go home and like Alden was puking and like my dog (laughs) shit in the the living room. (laughs) Hi, my name is Anjali Cabral and I am fun and sparkly. Hello to all of my esteemed listeners. Yes, I'm speaking to you. Welcome to another highly sophisticated episode of Off the Beat. I am, as always, your devoted host, Brian Baumgartner. Why am I in such a good mood today? Well, it's the new year, so it's a new me. And also because my guest today is a great personal friend of mine and an absolute hero of my daughter's, Angelique Cabral, or as they know her, Queen Amaya from the smash Disney hit movie, Wish. Now, if you are over the age of six, or if you are not a parent who is demanded to play that soundtrack every single time you get in the car, well, she might be more familiar to you as Jill from Enlisted, or Colleen from Life in Pieces, Becca from Undone, or any of the other great roles that she's had in her career, which goes all the way back to a United Airlines commercial when she was just six years old. I wonder what she made her parents play in the car on the way to auditions. Hmm. Well, we're going to find that out and lots more about growing up on the beautiful coast of California, getting her start on soap operas, and eventually fulfilling every little girl's dream 
of becoming not just a Disney princess, but a Disney queen. Here she is, the queen of my car stereo, Angelique Cabral. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up? Hello. Hey, long Happy time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You're still festive. Look well, at you. In a panic. Listen, I when thank God you texted me this morning because yeah. I was like, I'm in it with taking down Christmas. My I don't know if you've seen me on my Instagram and whatever, but I'm obsessed with the holidays. Yes. And from basically November 25th, and my husband in a absolute moment of despair yesterday was like it has to come down this <laughs> is enough we're a, done it's a fire hazard for Correct. sure everything's brown and it's just <laughs> and he's like and he has um self-proclaimed but also in real life reality he has ocd okay of cleanliness and so um which just gets worse every year and so he just was like, I can't handle it anymore. I'm going back to work tomorrow. It's th- This is it. So I woke up this morning. I've just been in a frenzy, like cleaning. And so this is my last hurrah. This, this is, is it. it. This is this goes away after this conversation. I'm packing up all of my Christmas stuff in uh, in my attic. And that's it. That's it. Until that's, next year. That's it till next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, do you recycle Christmas sweaters? I do. I have roughly, I think, something like 42. Stop it. It's disgusting. No, it's not okay. And I do recycle them and I keep them and I use them year after year. I have my favorites. I have some kitschy ones, but I also have some very beautiful ones. Like I have, it's all over the map, but I have so many sweaters. Well, yeah, I do follow you on the Instagram. And here's the thing that I know about you. Well, first off, you're clearly a fantastic mom and you like Mm. to celebrate like holidays, big uh-huh. and small. Correct. Right. All, all sizes and shapes of holidays, <laughs> truly like everything. I kind of, it's kind of how I go through my year. Right. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got coming up now it's Valentine's. So I'm already getting, I'm going to get my Valentine stuff out pretty, okay. pretty quick here. <laughs> and it's my birthday first and then Valentine's. But bas- basically I go through the year. Uh-huh. I have a bin for each holiday. And I have, yeah, I have table decor, only one though. I don't go too, too crazy. And I do really just the kids' rooms and our main like living area, but I have table decor. I love the dollar store for like, um, you know, plates and napkins and anything. I love to like serve breakfast with a theme. So I love to do that. Or (laughs) I'll do like a green pancake, like for, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Like I, I go pretty hard for every holiday. And then when it gets, when we are close to October, when we get into the fall, it's just no holds barred. It's just, I'm all in from basically yeah. October 1st until January 3rd. Like, that's it. But your husband is the one with OCD. Yeah, not me. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's a, a word. Bin for every holiday sounds le- just, a, just a little. Ooh, a little aggressive. Just a little. Um, yeah. OCD, but no, yeah. that's, hey. Well, and they're big bins. They're these huge ones. I can't <laughs> even show you how big from Home Depot. And my husband, to his, you know, to give him some credit, he he did go to Home Depot and buy me matching ones. And then I label them 
okay. so that they at least look the same to him. Right. And he doesn't have to deal with like what's inside. But you know, it's a real journey for us over these past several years. And the bigger my house gets, the more shit I buy. Right. Pardon my French, but I just I would go so much harder. But he's limited basically to one bin per holiday. That's where we're that's where we're landing. All that. right. Well, all right. So. Happy New Year. I mean, we're here. <laughs> we're we, we, we're entering the new the new year. We can restart. The bins yep. can be recycled. <laughs> and, we're, and we're uh, we're good. <laughs> So I, you were born in Hawaii. I was born in Hawaii. I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, and, wh- and wh- um, why was this? A, was this a was this a work thing? Was this or is this is where y- your parents were from? No. So my it's a very romantic story, actually, oh. Brian. Oh. But my uh, my dad ran away from home basically when he was seventeen to romantic. the islands. He he is a carpenter. Okay. And he went to Hawaii to just kind of like live his life, but he was a shipbuilder in Hawaii. Okay. And he built boats like from scratch, like with his bare hands. Right. And my mother had gone separately with her fiance at the time. Okay. And uh, was attending um, University of Hawaii. And then she uh, like also on her, like as her part-time job was a preschool teacher. My father had a daughter in her class. Oh. Okay. So my dad's first daughter, Nicole, was my mother's student. Wow. And so she would met my dad and he's very, still is handsome and quite the Lothario and kind of wooed her. <laughs> but mind you, she was engaged to this other man. Right. Who I've never met. And so, you know, <laughs> I, this is just all like lore that I've heard over the years from my parents. But basically they had, they fell in love. She broke up with her fiance. They got married and lived on a boat that he had built. And they were together about 11 years before I came along. Okay. And they were very in love and they lived in Hawaii because they just both loved it, to be honest with you. And we, I still love it. And as a young child, my parents got divorced. <laughs> it doesn't end well, well that story. Yeah. Um, uh, my <laughs> Some, father has... Sometimes the relationships over Play-Doh yeah. doesn't fully right. stand the test of time but it, yes it truly didn't but it was a very sweet it seems like 11 or 12 years then i was born they immediately got divorced my okay. father took said boat i'm gonna write a movie about this someday or a show but like basically he took the, sh- the boat that they lived on with all of my baby things and all of our things with his mistress to tahiti and it got shipwrecked and he never like the ship was bye-bye we never saw that ship again and I say ship, it's a boat. It's like a sailboat. It's like a 42-foot sailboat. It's not a ship. I should use the right term. <laughs> a ship feels like an ocean liner. It's just a sailboat. And it it didn't end well. And there was a big storm in Tahiti. So my dad kind of came back to California. My mom and I moved to um, Carmel to be with her family when I was two to like, basically, I was raised with my grandparents in Carmel. So Car- Carmel, Monter- like Monterey. Monterey. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I consider home. Hawaii is like where I was born. And my okay. mom and dad have a lot of friends there and like their roots, I would say, like their youth. But I didn't grow up in Hawaii. I was just born there. Okay. And then I loved to vacation there. I took my family there for my 40th birthday. It was wonderful. And like, you know, I have fond memories of Hawaii with my mom because she would take me back every year for like a spring break or any kind of vacation. Like whenever she could afford it, she would take me back to Hawaii. It's her happy place. Yeah. And hence my happy place. My dad had never been back until I took him for my 40th. I made my whole family go with me. It was very fun. Wow. But he was, he's more emotional about it. I think it brings up some rather 
dark memories of, of things for him because that's when like the marriage ended and he, he took off to Tahiti on the boat that never came oh, back. So I think he's, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I, I would say I'm born in Hawaii, but raised in Carmel. And then um, now I'm here. Now, Hawaii is beautiful. To me, yes. there is, I don't know if I could do it only because of the weather. To me, there is almost no more beautiful place on the planet than Carmel. Carmel well, I is agree. I agree with you. Stunning. It's stunning. Well, and I'm, you know, Carmel's so close to not only Monterey, but Big Sur. Yes. It's just the entire coastline. Yes. The U.S., the, the coastline is just so beautiful. The 101. I, or the Highway 1, I should say. Yeah. Um, I loved living there, but I thought it was very boring and I couldn't wait to leave. Isn't that ironic? Now I just hope to make enough money to retire there. <laughs> to go back. Just every day I'm like looking at my bank account, like, can I go home yet? Like, what's happening? <laughs> it's so beautiful, but very quiet. And, you know, I grew up like rock climbing in Big Sur. Like, how boring is that? Right. And Jeez. I couldn't wait to just get out of there. So I went as far as I could and I went to Indiana University for college. Now you started doing some work i understand your your first job was when you were six mm, i believe so that sounds right uh, a united airlines commercial were you like actively pursuing work i mean it sounds weird because you know, you're six i know but was it something you wanted to do i think no i think that what it was is back then my mom kind of grew up dabbling in the business my okay. grandmother was also like a dancer and a professional dancer and kind of around she they lived for a while in my mom's youth in Hollywood and I think it was around and I was very outgoing I didn't really love acting or want to do it until third grade which I think is what nine or ten yeah and I remember then (laughs) but still pretty young but I I remember there was this a substitute teacher at my school, who I was like a music teacher, and she was amazing, and we, we learned all these songs. And then she said, I'm having auditions for Oliver at the local college, Hartnell College, if anyone wants to audition. And I asked my mom if I could. Okay. And I got in, and I loved the rehearsals. I loved the community of theater. And I really grew up in the theater as a child. Yes. And I, in my youth in Carmel and Monterey. And I did all of the productions outside of school and in school from third grade until high school. And I was like Anne Frank in the Diary of Anne Frank. And I was Miranda in The Tempest. I had like very big roles throughout my youth. And that's when I loved it. But my mom always said, if you love it and you want to do these outside productions, you have to keep straight A's. So I was a nerd. And mm-hmm. I really like got straight A's. And when I say straight A's, I got a full scholarship to college, a full academic scholarship. I, I was a Wells Scholar at Indiana University. And I we didn't have any money. So I knew that I had to kind of do it my way. And I got a full scholarship to college, but like, I always loved it. And it never felt like work. Like I loved singing, acting, dancing from the get. When I was six, I don't remember the United commercial at all, but my mom did say I had fun and like she was around in casting and she did some casting in Monterey. So I think she just had like ins with casting people. And I know that she dabbled in casting in Hawaii too. Right. You didn't bring this up because I have always loved her. My research says you have a cousin that's yes. Edie McClurg. Is that true? Yes. That I mean, <laughs> can you believe this? That's cool. Like I know. Was she, was she around? Did you talk to her? Very much. Okay. Very much. Like Edie McClurg. Edie, who for those of you who are listening, you'll I would think most 
most recognize her from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Oh, he's a righteous dude with yeah. the red curly hair and <laughs> yeah. he's a comedian. I grew up knowing, I called her Aunt Edie. She's not my aunt. She's my cousin. Okay. She's my mom's cousin. So I believe that makes her my first cousin or is it my second cousin? Works, I don't know. Yeah, you're, I got but anyway, you. I called her Aunt Edie. She and my mom are like sisters. Okay. She has no family. She never married, no kids. So every Christmas, Thanksgiving, my birthday, everything, she came to Carmel. She drove this, I'll never forget this Toyota minivan from LA. She would always drive. So she would come all the time to Carmel. She came to my um, graduations. She came to London when I studied in London. She always saw my plays. She was actually a very, very big supporter of my career, if you would call it. She always said, go to college. She went to college and grad school. She said, do not graduate from high school and go to LA to try to be a star. It's going to take work. She's very realistic. She's like, it's going to take work. It's going to be hard. Get your education so you can always do something else. So I double majored. I did exactly what she said, but she was very, very much a part of my life. And even when I moved here in LA, she like brought me my first, helped me get my first car. She gave me her old futon for my first apartment. She never really gave me money. She never really like hooked me up with like any of her contacts, like she's not like getting me an agent or like getting me a job, but she sure did give me a used futon. You know what I mean? (laughs) And Edie, God bless her, has had a very long, very wonderful career, has some money. Like she's very frugal. She doesn't spend it on anything. Like she notoriously shops at the dollar store as do I now. (laughs) Right. And um, Costco. Right. So she just would reuse things and give me all of her old things. And I loved it. And then as I, you know, she's been a big part of my life around here and she um, got sick a couple years ago. She has Alzheimer's oh. and it took a turn in like 2016 and she really got taken advantage of by two different um, men who came into her house and basically demoed it and said they were contractors and were not. Mm. And um, she met these guys on Facebook. And so we kind of deactivated that and I had to go to court to be her conservator. So now I'm her conservator of her estate and person. And it's a full-time job. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not fun. It's very difficult. She's unrecognizable. Um, Mm. Really can't have a conversation or get through a day. We have full-time care for her 24 hours at her same house. I'm keeping her in her house because she has the means and it keeps her happy, to be honest. And um, it keeps her feeling, I think, a sense, even though she doesn't have her memory is gone, but it keeps her stable. And I've heard that if you remove people at her kind of escalated um stage of her illness that it can she can deteriorate like very rapidly so i'd rather keep her and her health is she's as strong as a horse she's so healthy she's doing great but she just has no um memory and can't really operate well i'm sorry to hear that it sounds like you are well you're doing right by her and that's i'm doing my best for sure and um there's really no there's no one else to really care for her we have some cousins in in seattle but they aren't here or close enough to you know, see her regularly. So I took it upon myself because I was like, I'm not going to let some random state of California conservator take over her state. That makes right. no sense. Right. So I'm happy to do it. But she's my I'm cousin. Sorry Isn't to that, hear that so weird? That so it, weird. I know. Well, but Brian, I grew up watching her. I would come to LA and watch her on like Small Wonder. Of course. And um, yeah, I, I went to live tapings of like, what was it? Hogan's family. I'll mm-hmm. never forget. It was so fun. And so I kind of, I guess, in a way, comedy has been around me my whole life. Like, and so multicam, single cam comedy is like where I, I'm my happy place. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. You went, you followed her advice. I'm going to get 
back around to that, but you went to Indiana University for their musical theater program. Yes. Did you see yourself? You know, Edie was talking to you about not going to LA and being a star. Where right. where was your brain? Like, was your brain in the theater? Were you going to be a theater oh, yeah. actor? Or oh, were yeah. you my brain was I'm a Broadway star. Right. My brain was I'm leaving California to go to Indiana School of Music. They had it at that point, it was called the IMP. It's an individualized major for musical theater. Cause I wasn't a, a music major, I was right. a musical theater major. And I got incredible training. I felt super confident and amazing. And I got leads in all the shows. And I was like, Broadway, here I come. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, this was my dream, my passion. It's all I did my entire life. It's still my dream and passion. Like, I love live theater so much. But what happened was I graduated from Indiana with this dream and a bunch of our, my fellow IU Hoosiers, we all moved there. And then 9-11 happened, literally within days of me moving there. And the theater, everything shut down. I had a day job as a, as a preschool teacher in the morning so that I could audition similar to my mom. Yeah. But I had, I got this job at this Montessori preschool. I knew the owner and she gave, I had to take all these courses so that I could teach. It was on the Upper East Side and it was for very wealthy families in New York. And I ended up kind of pivoting because of 9-11 and everything kind of shut down for like six months. Right. And then it turned into like a year. Everything was fucked up and wild and I didn't know what was going on. And I started nannying for a lot of these families, like to make ends meet and just like a side hustle, continuing to audition for Broadway. But I'm going to tell you something, what I realized very quickly there's a lot of competition in New York. Okay. And I am a strong mover, but I'm certainly not a dancer and I have a great voice. But at that time, I don't think I could compete on the level that I needed to. Okay. And I did some, I did some regional things and I did some like workshops, they call them playwrights rise and stuff sure. like that. Yeah. But I never hit it big. I never like made my Broadway debut. I'm still waiting to make my Broadway debut. All right. But uh, what I did do is co- I, it may be coming sooner coming. than you think now. We'll but see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Can't wait to be on this in two years and then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. But I sure did make it big in foot modeling. I sure did oh. make it big in birthday parties. Um foot I did modeling. some commercials. I did foot I did foot modeling for years. I have a tiny foot and my feet fit in sample sizes of shoes like basically okay. with shoes they make one pair this is not then, like an only fans thing this is like a correct. no this, this is, is like, like a, a legit this is like a legit thing like where you're a foot model and you foot, stand in a showroom like a hand model or a correct. elbow <laughs> yeah model. i was like really stressed about it i was always like moisturizing my feet and like <laughs> making sure i didn't get bunions <laughs> or blisters oh it was, those are the days of my youth wow. but yeah i did like weird i did weird side hustles and I really made my way through, I was in New York for about 10 years and I really made my way through it, but never, never the Broadway dreams that I had right. wanted or moved there with. But then I met my husband and he had a business that brought us to Los Angeles. Now, wait a second. Did your <laughs> husband have a child from a previous relationship that was in your preschool class? Because if so, then we've got a so serious conversation to have here. Oh, could you imagine? No, he did not. Okay. He had a he had a business that was like his child, but no, he okay. did not have another child. Okay, all right. He so you was, weren't uh, you didn't meet him in the okay in the preschool. Okay, 
We were very in love though. And he, I was like, I'll never move to LA. I hate LA. I don't like TV. TV's okay. for the birds. TV's, <laughs> I was like, TV's for losers who can't make it on Broadway. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. There was a time. There was a time people there thought was a that. Time. Yeah. People did think that. So we moved to LA and uh, I pretty quickly, this was like 2009, 2010, I, I got this manager who took a chance on me and like really thought I had, I, I mean, listen, Brian, I'm sure you can attest to this. Like early on in everyone's career, I feel there is a time where you just, you're, it's like ignorance is bliss. This is how I felt anyway. Right. I came here from 10 years in New York thinking I was the best. I'm very confident, like too confident. I right. just thought I was the bee's knees. Like you're lucky to meet me. Like here I am. I must. So I would call myself a soap actress. I did some stints on soaps. You did quite did a few, more than I knew soaps. about. Yeah. 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 I keep that buried, but yeah, I did a lot <laughs> of soaps, did a lot of commercials. And yeah. I certainly had confidence that like, what? Here I am. Right. And I started these acting classes pretty quickly. I got recommended to Leslie Kahn, who's changed my life. She's a dear friend to this day. And I kind of learned how to audition and I learned what people I feel like want in the room. Back then, everything was in the room. Right. Right. And so I made fans pretty quickly because I could take notes, I think, from years of being in theater and also just kind of living my life in New York. I was like, I'm a hard worker. Like, I love to work. I love to take a note. I love to, like, grind it out. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do. Even now, especially now, I still think that's one of the things that sets me apart is, like, when it comes to, like, being in the room or on set or whatever, there's zero. I'll never have an ego about it. I'm just like, tell me what you want me to do. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's let's work it out. I always feel like there's a sense of community, like theater. Like, I just love that feeling of being on set and, like, working out together. Yeah. Anyway, I had pretty quick luck, I will say. Like, it, like I think that all those years in New York kind of primed me for, like, this this just go here in, in L.A. somehow. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, much like you and your New York friends looking down back in the day on television, you know, I think there's still a stigma, which you you sort of alluded to about soap operas. And I, I know that I, I'm not soap opera material, but I always thought that that would have been a good experience to have, particularly, particularly, what the hell was that? Particularly. particularly. New partic- year, new you. Oh, my You're God. Doing great. Coming from theater. Yes, because I feel sure. like that the experience of soap operas where you're handed pages and it's go and you get one shot at it and you're done, you know, that that would be a kind of a fun transition and having sort of high stress timed work sort of as an introduction into to film and television. Do you feel like in all s- s- seriousness, did that did that give you something, do you think? Yeah. And also confidence on set in front of a camera and a crew, right? I think when I look back on those days at the soaps, which I did almost all of them in New York at various times, that I almost feel like was my grad school, to be really honest with you. Like, I think that that's what made the transition to television actually easy for me because I kind of, I had all that, those hours and the idea of having to do those, turn those pages so quickly and you only really get one or two takes. Yeah. That's why I think to this day, I'm so quick with words and I'm so quick on a set. And I love the stress of like, okay, let's go. We only have one like this, like anything with time. I'm like, yes. I also love multicam for the same reason. It feels very much like a performance, like a play. And I also just believe that everything you do, like you said, like it's a wealth of like tools. And I have this big toolbox around me or tool belt, whatever. And I'm pulling out these tools and I've collected so much knowledge and so much ability in my lifetime thus far that I can't wait to see like what the next 20 years brings because I feel very much, I feel very capable at all times. And I always say to myself, I've never let myself down. It's true. Like no matter what, no matter what the situation is, I always kind of rise to the occasion. And I don't think I knew that then when I first moved here, but I look back and like, oh, it's the soaps. It's the soaps and all those, I took a bunch of soap classes there was this teacher in New York called Bob Krakauer. I was always taking classes, trying to like perfect my craft so that I could, I never wanted my acting to be the problem. If anything, it's the wardrobe or the this or the lights or whatever, but I don't want it to ever be me. Right. I still feel like that. Right. Yeah. It was my grad school. That's for sure. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. You hit the ground running here, as you mentioned, lots of commercials. Also, 
mm-hmm. guest spots in <laughs> big show. No, but like yeah. big shows at the yeah. Melrose Place, Two and a Half Men. I mean, a, a variety, as you say, a variety of sort of disciplines and genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a procedural that you haven't done. I, th- I think I've done at least one of every procedural. <laughs> but that, you know, the it's it was interesting because I got here, I think, late 2009. And I started these classes and I saw around me people working, right? I'm very much like, I need to see it and then I can replicate it. Okay. So I remember this girl in my class booked some guest star. And I was like, I texted Karen. I was like, I can do this. I need to book a guest star. And like two weeks later, I got this. The very first real job was the Melrose Place. Okay. And I was like, okay, that's easy. Okay. I did that. That's easy. And then there's this, I'm sure you know her, Susan Bash. She's this amazing casting director. Yeah. I went in for happy endings and yeah. this was a big show when I first moved here was casting. I'd never really auditioned before, like for a comedy. Okay. And I go into happy endings and David cast, who's a dear friend of mine now, like I guess, and the Tannenbaums, I think it was their show, like loved me and thought I was hysterical. The part was already, I believe passed by, I think it was Casey Wilson, but like, I didn't know that. And I fucking like ro- walked in that room. Like this is my part. Right. right? And they gave me some notes and I ended up going to this, I ended up taking more classes, but basically they had me do the table read because Alicia Cuthbert couldn't do the table read. And she was like the lead of that show. Right. So I, with zero credits besides soaps, did this huge table read for network and studio for the pilot of Happy Endings. And then I ended up getting, yes. And then I ended up getting a part in the pilot. I got a little co-star and then the next season, David gave me another role completely different role playing Damon's um, Damon Wayans like work wife or something. So like in the same, it's like notorious that in the same show, I'm two different characters, which never happens, but I'm two different guest stars. And that's just an example. I think of like, if I had to sum up my career, that's what I would say is like, I do well, people like me, they put me here and that leads to the next thing, which I guess is just LA in general. That's just Hollywood. Right. But like, if you make fans and do good work, people are going to remember you. And it leads to A, B, C, D. And even now, like I work with people and then they'll put me, I mean, Justin Adler, I worked with him on Life in Pieces for years. And then I was in Maggie. Like I, this is just kind of how I think, at least for me, my, my kind of career has unfolded. Like I, I get to work with the same people and I love that. It's the biggest compliment ever, ever, yeah. ever as an actor, the people, and I'm, I'm sure you've had that before. I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, you know, it's. It's all the things that we're talking about, right? Like one, you're good, you're hardworking. You don't ever want there to be a take where it's about you. Like, okay, right. camera screwed up, or lighting is weird, or you're wearing the wrong color pants, or whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. But you're also positive and nice. And, and at, nice, at the right. end of the day, that's a huge part of it as well. Just to oh. to to be wanted to be worked with. That's correct. Just to yeah. be wanted to be on set with. Like, to be I always on set feel with. like, like that's what I feel like I miss about going in rooms. And I'm start. We're starting to do this again now. But like, I always feel like I win the part in the room. Doesn't matter what my how the words come out. But it's right. like if you want to hang out with me for twelve hours a day on set, <laughs> I'm your girl. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if you want this to be an easy, lovely process, I'm your girl. And then you could make me whatever you want. You could give me notes all day, and I'll do whatever you want. But also. Half of it is just being, most of it is just being on set. Do you want to hang out together? Right, right. Do Tomorrow, do you want to see me again? 
<laughs> right. Or, or do you want to see me every day for seven years? Or, right. Exactly. Because I mean, we both have worked with people that is not the case. And you're just like, oh, this is a nightmare and you should never work again. Right. right. Like you're kind of like, how do you work like that? I'm obviously not going to name names, but like it, it there are Who? people that <laughs> there are people like this out Who? there. And you're just like, <laughs> I'll text you later. <laughs> um but, you know, so that's, I think that's my kind of overall take on how my early days in LA went. It's like, it was, it was kind of wild and mad. And then all of a sudden I, I like, I saw my friend testing and I was like, oh, I can test. What's that? What does that mean? Oh, oh, I mean, okay, I can do that. And then I tested for the show and then I got the show and then I was like, oh, that was easy. And then I kind of had to stop working. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe the show that you're talking about is enlisted. Correct. Uh, that was my your, first. Your first. Well, that wasn't my first. My first pilot that I booked to series was a show called Devious Maids, actually. Oh, yes. But the tricky thing about that, because Mark Cherry, again, Mark Cherry had seen me in a show. We were hanging out backstage. I was making him laugh. We were gak, 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 yak. And he said, I think I have a show for you. <laughs> this pilot season. I said, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Your next show after Desperate Housewives, absolutely. I booked the pilot. It was very that was a that was a real talk about talk about having to have your wits about you and be able to pivot. Brian, that was like crazy. I had to test. I had to go back to test. It was ten o'clock at night. I had to go back to Warner Brothers. I lived in Santa Monica at the time, and he gave me cold sides to read for this other part for this test. And I thought, what the fuck? And I did it, and then I got it. But it right. was one of those things. I was like, thank God. I was good with words and I didn't freak out giving, getting 12 pages of sides at 10 o'clock at night. Anyway, that show didn't go to series on ABC. It went to series on Lifetime and Lifetime changed the cast all around. Like Lifetime bought it from ABC. So like I, that was my actual first pilot, but okay. I didn't go with the show. Enlisted was my, I immediately booked Enlisted after that. And something else important happened during that time. You met me. I met you. Now, let's... That's the real... Let's... That's let's, the real game changer. That's the, uh, just a moment in my life. Let's unpack this for just a second. Do you remember the night that we met? Was I working? Was I working? Yeah. You know, it's all very foggy to me as well, but... Was it at a party? You... Close. It was at a place called Pearls on... Yes. Sun... Sunset. Set. It was Sunset in like Doheny with with Jeff. Wasn't it with Jeff? No, there is maybe the biggest a I, all I can say is maybe the biggest A-list star in the world. Mom was there. Is this real? Who? This is this is real. This Wait, is the big this like, is real. I, like I Brad Pitt's mom, like Jennifer, like who's clo close. Okay. Close. And Jess Zor. Yeah. I'm still friends with her. We were hanging. I was, yes, for sure. Yes. I mean, I remember this night. We were there. You're saying this. I and you were working with Matt Sohn. And that's why you yes. came up to me. Because right. Matt Sohn was directing Enlisted. He was directing an episode. Yes. And I came right. And I came up. I'm very good at that. Like if I put things together again, I'm a connector. So I like when I remember going right up to me like, hi, I'm on. Like, <laughs> again, I was like, I'm on a show. thinking That was like a big deal. But we like became quick friends. Like we were we, like, it was so fun. I remember yes. that. Yes. And enlisted. You played Army Staff Sergeant Jill. I don't mm -hmm. remember this or not. Did you have I know it's a comedy. 
Yeah. So you, they weren't putting you through boot camp, but did they have like, I don't know, consultants? No, we did go. What? We did go to boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. did? Oh, okay. yeah. There's a whole thing. I'll send you a link. There's a whole like documentary they made of it. But they sent me, Jeff Stoltz, Parker Young, Keith David, and Chris Lowell to boot camp for a weekend in um, Texas. Where was it? Oh, my Fort God. Worth or like one Fort of these- Hood? No, it wasn't Fort Hood, but it was similar. I'll remember. Okay. Um, it was the worst. It was the worst two days of our lives. It was no joke. They like took our phones, and they it was real boot camp. Like I cried. Like it was horrible. <laughs> okay, now I, slept I do in remember. A barrack. Yeah, <laughs> I slept. There was like cockroaches in my room. I was the only girl. We had to like memorize the the oath and how to. Oh my god, it was it was so hot. Parker threw up. It was. I mean, listen, <laughs> the boys loved it. The boys were like, "This is amazing." Chris, actually, I take that back. Chris Lowell, <laughs> Chris Lowell hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Lowell was like, you know, because he'd been around Veronica Mars, private practice. He was like, this is fucked up. I'm calling Disney. This is fucked. This is like, he like refused to do it. Like he was so mad. And then Jeff and Parker like rose and they like loved it. And then I was like somewhere in between. Like I was like, I want to be a legit soldier. I want to learn how to do this. I want to <laughs> climb the rope. I want to do the obstacle course. I want to get my ass beat, but then there was like cockroaches and I couldn't sleep and I'm legally blind and they like couldn't find my contacts and it was like awful. And that part, then it, then it took a turn, <laughs> but I remember I being terrified. They got you guys to do that. Yeah. They That's... wanted it to be like very wow. real. Yeah. And when I look back on that, I they would, by the way, Brian never happened today. <laughs> like that would never happen in 2024. Never. This was 2013. <sighs> And they were like, you're going to be real soldiers. It wouldn't happen for you or wouldn't ha- Like, it wouldn't happen I just happen don't think anymore. any show would be allowed to do that. <laughs> right. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. That's what I'm thinking. They just sent you to, yeah, it reminds like, me. Like, coach, like, it was gnarly. Like, I don't even think that they knew what was happening. Like, I I remember Mike Royce <laughs> and Kevin Beagle, like, being, like, texting us, like, when we got back. Like, how was it? Like, I don't even think they realized the extent or how legit it was going to be. And I, they were like apologetic. They were profusely apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry that you went through this. Like they did not know how bad it was going to be. I just, I just, <laughs> this is totally tangential, but I just watched this documentary hell camp. Have you heard about this? No, no. This is about this thing that happened in the eighties and nineties, where if you had a bad kid, they would get kidnapped in the middle of the night and brought to like a, a camp for bad kids and they had to like walk across uh, the utah desert i mean i remember hearing about this like oh right. so and so the bad kid got sent to whatever right and so i just watched this documentary and i could just imagine you guys ending up <laughs> with just a i don't know staff sergeant like what like drill drill master oh you, yeah our drill sergeant was so drill gnarly. sergeant that's it we landed at like 10 o'clock just at like, night or something get just your asses in the crowd that's how they that's you're not exaggerating like that is not far from the truth and like <laughs> i'll never forget when we got to this place which i need i will find out for you okay we it was late and like we got to the the barracks and the, it was black pitch black and we were on a, like a football field and they took all of our shit, like our phones and our, all our shit, put it in a garbage bag and said, you'll get this back at the end. And they made us run like five miles in the middle of the night before we could even go to bed. <laughs> and Chris Lowell was just like, nope. He's like, I'm not, this is not right. Like, so he's like, I need to speak to someone immediately. Like he was the only, and then Chris and Parker were like, oh, yeah. 
Parker and Jeff were like, yeah, we're on it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like whatever. Like they were so in. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I guess like, I didn't really know what to do, but we just did it. And then we were so tired. And then they woke us up through the night. There was two nights that we spent there. They like give you those scary, they like, they bang on your door and like make you wake up and like go take a cold shower they like torture you like that's real and just push up in the middle of the night this is what i imagine them doing (laughs) yeah very real there's no chance if you look at our show we never we got praised for going to boot camp and like all of the the veterans and the soldiers like it was a very popular show right with soldiers and they like loved how legit it was and like even our uniforms and how everything we had we had several people on set advising us we had we had all sorts of to make it very real like they want even though it was a comedy they wanted it to be very real yeah it was one of the best shows of my life i loved it so much oh, i love to hear that i mean what an incredible <laughs> experience and again yeah probably you're right like that what you're describing no no never happened today never it would have never they would never no we, are you kidding we could have sued 17 times like for sure for sure that would not happen for sure or at least or at least Someone from HR would have gone with us. Okay. There would have been somebody there. Somebody. Someone. Yeah. I mean, we had no one in sight. We, no one in sight. They flew us like Southwest coach, like garbage. It was awful. Not a stipend to be seen. Oh my God. I love, yeah. Your, <laughs> what do you call it? Your, uh, your you're canteen like, cred. Like you had no, you couldn't, nothing, yeah, zero. you couldn't get a Snickers bar or whatever. It was just empty. <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, that's when we met. That's when we met. And then that show, unfortunately, uh, uh, one hit wonder, man, one season wonder. That was it. Yeah. Sadly, it's been 10 years now. It'll be 11 this year, but it's, it was a 10, 10 years since that show. And we still have text chains, all of us with Kevin and Mike and all of us. We're like such close friends. Wow. Yeah. It was a really incredible bonding. I think honestly it bonded us because we were so tortured to be honest right. with you. It's just a beloved show. Like we talk about trying to do like a reboot or like a version of that. Or I, I keep trying to ask Jeff if he'll do like a podcast with me about it. But he's very hard to tie down. That yeah. Jeff Stoltz. He's very busy being a bro. So, but yeah, it was a great experience. And then it kind of led me to my next, my next things and the next things. So it was kind of just one. I, I would say a highlight of my career for sure. Life in pieces where we actually got to work together. Yes, that was so fun. I'll never forget. We got to work together at an airport. <laughs> what was it? The Van Nuys Airport? Van Nuys Airport. <laughs> yes. How, what was the experience like of getting cast as Colleen? I couldn't believe it. I'm, I was pinching myself. I still can't. I often can't believe when I get cast in something. Like, just the people around me on that show. Diane Wiest, Jim Brolin, Colin, who's a, one of my best friends now. Colin and his whole family. Um, Betsy. Tommy. It was a dream. It was just the best five years of my life. And I loved everyone on that show. And the way that we got to storytell, the four short stories, it just lent itself to such beautiful storytelling, always with heart, always kindness. I tend to always get, I gravitate towards shows like that, that have like a sweetness or kind of like a a lesson, something that makes you a little bit cry. Like I, that's how I am all the time. Like I'm always a little teary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> always a little emotional. I feel things very deeply. I I really relish in things and soak things up. And um, that show taught me also, you know, that was my first show that had, um, you've had the 
the great fortune to have this, but like that was my first show that had several seasons, right? So like I got to learn how to kind of carry over this character from season to season, scene to scene. I watched her develop. I watched her grow. And she was very different by the end of that series than, than the Colleen in the, in the pilot. Yeah. And I became a mother on that show. I was pregnant. I was pregnant with Addie. Yeah. I got very large. I ate a lot of Domino's pizza. Anyone <laughs> who watched my series back then, Domino's ga- gave me a very nice gift during my pregnancy, which was a little embarrassing. That's what, what, a, what a repeat customer I was. Um, uh, I, I ate a lot of Domino's. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of those situations like, you know, you just your life is forever changed on a show like that. And it kind of solidified myself as like, this actress who like can definitely hold her own with big names and and it's it changed my career for sure if you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change you really only need one reason to do it but with zen nicotine pouches you can find many not only did zen create the first ever nicotine pouch We're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, we have to talk about, I mean, look. We have to talk you've about been, it. Let's... You've been working nonstop, Maggie on Hulu, also undone. By the way, I do have to mm. ask you about, about that. Yeah. Uh, for those of you guys who have not seen, you absolutely should see Undone. 
It's rotoscoped, which mm-hmm. I found out that's what it's called. Now, was the process they filmed you like you were shooting a show? A show, yeah. It's not, and then they trace over you. What, like, yes, yeah? It's I mean, very I know. Involved. Yeah, it is. Was that we? Was that fun to see the final? Because re- you, you literally don't see it until. Two it's years. Done. Almost, it's like almost a year and a half after we shoot it that we see the final project. Really? I'm done. We did two seasons of that beautiful show. It's to date the work I'm most proud of, hands down. Really? Um, the depth of my character, her journey, the art, the artistic integrity of that show, the message. It deals with mental health. It deals with time travel. It deals with at needs people. Like it's just an incredible show that touches in so many different worlds. Pisco is an incredible artist and Kate Purdy and Bob Raphael Wakesburg, who created the show, who also did it's that funny one with the donkey on, you know what I'm talking about? What did they do? That show on Netflix forever. Oh, the uh, funny. Bo, 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 uh, Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Horseman. Thank you. Yeah. So they did Bojack Horseman. It's a dark comedy. This show is unlike anything I will ever do again, or I have ever done. You shoot it almost like a, in a black box theater and you shoot it with these marks on the ground and they shoot you in the same scene hundreds of times from different angles and you don't understand what's happening. You never will. I still don't understand quite what rotoscoping is to be totally honest. Okay. With you. I just know that they shoot us. We don't wear makeup. It's like very bare bones. It's again, it's as if you're in college doing a black box production. They, they cut it together the way they want it to be seen. And then the artists in I believe Austin okay. trace us. Then they send it to Amsterdam where they paint with oil paints over all of it. That's so incredible. it looks like a, a moving masterpiece. Right. What it really looks like it looks like a moving piece of art. Are you wearing costumes? You're wearing like I had one costume the entire series. It's like one dress. Okay. But you wore se- it. But you wear it and okay. then they paint it. And then they change your makeup a little bit. And like, yes, I would say like, there's a couple of scenes where I'm wearing, like, I'm going backpacking and hiking. I did, you put on pants, you wear the costumes, but you don't worry about touches. You don't worry about your makeup. Um, They can kind of paint over anything. It's really kind of hard to explain, but you don't understand why they're shooting you in so many weird ways until you see the time travel and you see it in its entirety during the series you never see like anything it kind of goes into this abyss and it's so beautiful but you also just have to kind of trust them right and it's so guttural and these scenes are really emotional a lot of these scenes it's not stuff that i'm used to doing right and there's no like let's hurry up and go no 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 it's like you do all day like two pages it's like the opposite wow so it's a it's kind of indulgent and i loved it so much and working that closely with um, Bob Odenkirk, who played my father, Rosa Salazar, who played my sister, Constance Marie, who played my mom. And then we had some great guest stars, too. Um, John Corbett came in for a while, Ana Ortiz. I'm forgetting. Triplehorn. Jeannie Triplehorn. Oh, yeah, It was just yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Just an incredible cast. And everyone is like, what are we doing? And I like, don't ask. Just do it. Just <laughs> look here and just make sure you don't walk past here. Because if you walk past here, there's an entire wall down a hallway so you can't move here you've got to just move here like it's all very like they see it the artists and hisco who's directing us we did the second season during covid and he was in amsterdam directing us never no one was in the room with us ever 
it was just me and the two, me and whoever I was in the scene with and the three camera guys. That was it. So it was bare bones. There was like five of us on set all day during COVID. Everyone was directing us from um, remotely. They were remotely directing us. Are you going to have a third season? No, apparently the show's done. I think the strike ruined that. The strike ruined uh, uh, and all the executives are gone. It's one of those things where everyone changes and now no one cares about the show, right? So if your executives go away, then so does your show. (laughs) Um, Sadly, but watch it. Everyone, it's a beautiful show. It's still on Amazon. It's beautiful. Undone on Amazon. Now, you told me while you were sick, you do vision boards, you attempt to manifest. You've talked a little bit about that today. It's the new Mm -hmm. year. Mm-hmm. It's a time for wishes. <laughs> I make a lot of wishes. I've made wishes my whole life. For for new wishes. <laughs> How was that transition? By Beautiful. The way? Loved it. I called you because my kids were making me crazy. <laughs> Blaring music from Wish in the car. And of course, because it came out during the strike. I didn't get to see all of the fancy press and parties. And I just kept seeing your name show up (laughs) there singing the songs. Queen Amaya (laughs) in Wish. Congratulations and welcome to the Disney universe. Do your kids love it? Are they bored with it because it's just mom? No, they love it. They love it. I think maybe we've seen it, I think, 17 times. (laughs) (laughs) So I think now they're a little bored of it, maybe. But I I did say, you know, when it first came out over the holiday weekend, of it was Thanksgiving weekend, we saw it every day. Okay. One time we saw it twice a day. We saw it because everyone wanted to see it with me. Right. And my, my kids wanted to see it with their friends and everyone wanted to see it together. So we went almost every day for a solid 10 days, I would say at least. And then several times since then, like scattered throughout the holiday. My kids cannot get over it. We listen to it much like your children. Yes. On repeat on Spotify every single day, every single song. They know every word. Addie plate. She wants me to play King Magnifico and Queen Amaya. So it's like our favorite game right now. (laughs) I reenact every moment. And then she likes to switch between King Magnifico and Asha. Okay. So she is um, very aware. Alden, my little boy who's four, he's he like knows it's me. And every time I come on, mommy, that's you, mommy, like in the middle of the theater, very right. loud. Right. <laughs> and at Target, when we see the merch, they're real into the merch. Yeah. And they're, mommy, that's you. I don't, you know, I, I think it's the most magic time to have a, have a Disney movie in the theaters for the holidays. It couldn't be any better. Like I can't even get over it. And my kids are at the perfect age. I think if, I think if Addie, she's six, I think if she was a little older, she wouldn't care as much. Right. But she is absolutely smitten with it. And yeah. she loves it. She thinks it's so pretty. She loves, and listen, it's about wishes. It, it's like my life. Like it's literally like, I feel like I weirdly manifested this movie. Like I wow. make wishes. I've grown up making wishes on stars. Every day, 11, 11, I'm praying. I'm constantly talking to the universe. I constantly am looking into the stars, to the sky asking for guidance, asking for signs, bring me here. I know I can handle this, like constantly talking to the universe. And I feel like this is just another example of that. Wow. That's so beautiful. I mean, it it is, I don't know. I mean, I guess this, maybe I've bought into the, the promos and stuff now, but it really is like the quintessential Disney message, right? Like the whole full circle from, 
when you wish upon a star to yes. like this being the like manifestation of said said thing. wish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's their hundred years of animation. Okay. Right. So Disney just celebrated 100 years of animation. So the movie has a lot of nods to old Disney. You'll see some Sleeping Beauty. You'll see Snow White. You'll see Bambi. A lot of uh, the, the Sleeping Beauty bad guy, Magnifico with the green tendrils, like all that. It's also a little bit about the origin story of the wishing star. So then at the end, she's like Cinderella, the, the fairy godmother. So you're absolutely right. It feels kind of full circle. And yeah. I think that for Disney's 100 years of animation, it, there couldn't be a better message or story. I also like it because it's not a love story. Mm -hmm. This is a story about a young heroine who believes in herself and fights for herself. It's it's her and her forging this story, similar to Moana, right? She's like out on her own fighting for herself. And I think it's a story of resilience and perseverance. And I think it's a great message for young children, especially young girls. And I love that the queen ends up, spoiler alert, being a good queen. Like right. she flips sides and she finds love for her, her country and her people and what's right for them and herself instead of the loyalty to her man. And I think that's a huge pivot. And I love that message for women. And I also love that at the end they say, long live the queen. And the king is, is trapped in his mirror where he belongs. <laughs> right. right? Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say all that, but I just love it. I think it's, it's a great, it's very timely. I think, I just think it's resonating with all different audiences. Disney adults, Disney fanatics are loving it. And kids love it and think it's beautiful. And the music by Julia Michaels feels it's very fresh and cool yeah. and hip and catchy. Like, I mean, I, I listen to it every day because it makes me feel good. And also, I um, want to get those residual checks. Thank you. <laughs> just keep playing it on repeat. Yeah. Just keep playing it on repeat. Yeah. Just, just uh, <laughs> the, the merch deal will be disappointing for you. I'm Very so, I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I've heard. Sorry I've heard. to tell That's, you. Because you've done, you've done voiceovers? Yeah. I, yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. So what, well, first off, because you sing and sing so well, was this something that, the, the people involved were aware of? Did you audition your I did audition singing? and I had to sing. Yeah. Yes, I had to sing. It was like a prerequisite for the part. And I, it's a good lesson for me, honestly, Brian, because I don't consider myself a singer anymore. Right. This was 20 years ago I was singing in college and I haven't really sung. And I was nervous and I was scared and I didn't want to do it. And I remember I was going to do press for Undone when this appointment came in. I was going to South by Southwest. And I had no time and I picked myself up by my bootstraps and I was like, you are a singer. You can do this. You can sing acapella for days. And I knocked it out of the park. I was very proud of my tape and it led me to a callback. And then they changed the character. At first, she was actually an evil queen, my first round of sides. And then they changed that she was going to be a grounded, loving, maternal queen. And um, I took the note and I did that. But yeah, they knew I sang. I was scared. I did it. And then when it came time to recording the music, when we were doing this, it's a, you know, it's a year and a half. People don't realize this, but it's about a year and a half from start to finish, almost two years now of doing the project. Right. So I knew the singing was coming. I didn't know when. And I kept being like, am I singing? Like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> oh my God, am I going to get cut? Are they going to, I had heard there were songs, but I didn't know. And then Julia Michaels like sends you this demo tape and you have to like learn it. And then you go into the recording studios and you have, I had lessons and I had like a rehearsal period and it was so thrilling. 
And it just reminds me kind of like riding a bike. Like if you have it in you, it's always there. And I just think that's a great lesson to remember, especially as a mom and someone who's like constantly putting other people first, like to remember that like, it's still in you just because you're not doing it every day. And I proved that to myself. And now I'm excited to sing more and I can't wait to hopefully sing more in other animated movies or whatever, but I feel confident about that. Yeah. And then when I had kind of forgotten what the songs even like kind of were, and then, the, then you see the whole movie combined, you're like, I cannot get over that. This is real. I could not believe it. And we couldn't even do press because of the strike. Right. Everything was against this movie. It felt like, right? Like the day that their LA premiere was happening, in Hollywood Boulevard, on Hollywood Boulevard, they shut down Hollywood Boulevard. November eighth was the day we rat or we had come to an agreement, but we still could not attend. The actors could not attend, so I went by myself. Oh, it was the same. And took pictures. Day? It was yeah, it was the same day. Like I was like in plain clothes, like just like looking, like weeping, just like looking at the beautiful premiere, and we couldn't go. But that's you know oh, wow. kind of a great story. Now at the on the other end of it, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like I, it was so beautiful. The premiere was so, and I've heard that like the Disney premiere is the most amazing thing for your kids and everyone gets to go. It was at the El Capitan and I, we didn't get to go, but they've had other events since then that we could attend. Like now that we're done with the strike, obviously, but that was November 8th and at 5 32 PM or whatever, they were like, SAG's reached an agreement. And so I like ran down to the thing, hoping that they would like, I don't know. I called my team, like, can we please go? They were like, no. And that would be a bad look. You shouldn't go. And I was like, okay. So we couldn't go anyway. It was a, it was ironic just like the, of all days. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? But it was a wish. It was. a. (laughs) That's right. I made some wishes that we would, I just wanted to be able to promote it at least something. So we've been able to do some promotions. Well, that is really cool. I feel like everyone who's an actor they really would prefer to be either an athlete or a rock star a singer mm-hmm. did you feel like it like when you went into the recording studio and stuff like did you did you have that like or was it just like of, a boring old voiceover no no it, i was like am i a rock star yeah exactly <laughs> Is this my true calling right and by the end because benjamin and benjamin rice who's a, the co-writer of these, the music and he like produced it so he's like the one that mixed it all so benjamin works very closely with julia they were there together directing me okay. in that moment for that session. And I literally was like, I can do anything. I was like, this is forget acting, forget comedy. I'm a singer. And I felt so confident. Like I, I was emotional. I was crying. It's a very beautiful score, beautiful, very beautiful music. And um, it was surreal. It's surreal. But then, you know, what's so weird about that, Ryan. It's like, I had this moment. It was so incredible. And then I had to go home and like Alden was puking. And like my dog shit in the in the <laughs> living room. It's just like you know, yeah. as a working as a as your parent, it's like real life. Like no one cared at all. I came home, I was like, yeah. hey, you guys, I just had the best day of my life, and everyone's like, Mom, I want my chicken nuggets <laughs> fell on the ground. And, you know, oh. they don't give. They don't care. I, they don't care. <laughs> no one cares. And I think that's a really you know, it's humbling. It's a really good lesson. Like you live these amazing lives, like right. Like we know people. It's so fun. We have this amazing life, and at the end of the day, you're just a parent. You're just a mom. You're just trying to get through the day, right? Yeah. I get through the day. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I'm going to use this (laughs) opportunity. So my house in Los Angeles, there's a little bit of a setup, but basically the driveway went down toward the house. So there was a, they call it a French drain, right? That the water would go into and then a pump would pump it out because otherwise the house would flood. Like this is this is how this house was set up. Okay. And I am 
in sweats on my hands and knees in the rain with my hands in this drain one afternoon because it was raining and it had clogged with leaves. So not just water, but just like Ah. disgusting leaves, mud, trying to clean this out so that because my garage was starting to flood. And my neighbor comes out. He's like, do you need any help? And I'm like, no, this is the worst job ever. (laughs) And then I turned to him and I said, you're going to laugh. He's like, what? And I said, in about two and a half hours, (laughs) you're going to see me walk out of my house with an umbrella covering me in a tuxedo on the way to the Screen Actors Guild Awards, where we're probably going to win. And we did. But that whole day, I'm on my hands and knees cleaning just shit out of this French drain, like the most horrifying thing ever. And that's, that's what you described. Like, it's like, that's, that's it. You see one, you see, you see one thing, but in reality, it's like, you don't know what my day was until I got here. That's right. It's like, that is such a good story. And I love that so much. And I'll like, (laughs) I'll never forget that. That's a great story. It's just so humbling, right? Oh Yeah. It's just yeah. so humbling. It and keeps then you here comes your black car. Yeah, here's your black the, here's car. Here's the black like car to go yeah, into yeah. The, to the SAG Awards. <laughs> I cannot wish you any uh, more best wishes. I don't know. <laughs> I tried to use it too many times. I, I see. You're wrapping it up. Yeah, I see. Nailed it. Is there anything else coming up that we can look out for you in? Are you back to work? Are I'm we... back. Well, I'm coming out in a show I don't know when. I feel, I, I think it's the spring. It's on Amazon. I want to say freebie and it's called Clean Slate. Okay. And it's starring Laverne Cox. Nice. And George Wallace. And I recur on that. That was actually the last thing I shot right before the strike. Okay. And we were like day, the, the day that the writer's strike start. It was like this last two weeks of trying to wrap that show in Savannah. Um, so that comes out in the spring and then I am developing and I have several things up my sleeve and uh, hopefully one of them will stick in the next couple of weeks. To be honest, we're getting there. We're, we're back to work, Brian. Mommy needs a job. Congratulations. Thank you so much. One of these days we're going to have to work together again as well. Good luck with wish. Uh, Honestly, my next watch I think is going to be undone. You've sold me. And I was looking up all this rotoscoping stuff and I saw clips and yeah, you won't believe it. And what's so interesting, it's so interesting because when I watched that back, season one, I had just had Adelaide. Actually, no, season one, I was like, it takes so long to shoot this thing. Right. I was pregnant, very large for me. Then I, you can tell that I like had the baby. It's like the trans, my own personal metamorphosis in season one is wild. And then season two, I had just had Alden and similar. It's like, you can just see throughout because they can't, it's like they only paint over you. So it's like your right. actual body size. It's like wild. It's wild for me to watch back. Wow. But uh, yeah, I feel very excited and very hopeful and, and full of wishes for this new year and what's coming. And I can't wait to talk to you again, maybe in next year. And let's see where we are. Yep. I'll be there opening night on Broadway. When I the can't musical, wait. When it finally hits. <laughs> That's on my vision board, by the way, Broadway for the, in the next five years, for sure. Five years. Not this yeah, year. Yeah, I'd like it. Not this, not yet, not right now. I'm, there's too much stuff I want to do here. Okay. But also I've realized that Broadway is, now that I'm on the other side of those hopes and dreams of my 20s, it's hard work, not a lot of money. Very hard Rough, work. rough, rough schedule. And when you come from TV, you're like, oh, it's like so cushy. 
I'm like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I have that in me yet. Let me just give me, give me some a little minute, a little yeah. minute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as, it's not all it's like cracked up to be. I could maybe do it for three months. How about three months? Three, three months. <laughs> three months. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Happy thank New Year. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Angelique, it's so great to see you. And shout out to Fort Bliss in El Paso. Hi, Fort Bliss. That is where Angelique and her enlisted co-stars went to train in the hot, hot Texas sun. Everyone, check out Wish in theaters now, whether you have kids or not. Everyone loves a Disney movie. Am I right? Or if you're a little behind like me, go and watch Angelique in Undone on Prime Video. Listeners, I'm going to be back here next week. Join me, will you? Until then, I hope your week is fantastic. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahib. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find yours in online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.